Welcome to Business Talk Sister Gok. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today we are finishing up the third part of our three-part series on failure. Today we are specifically going to be focusing on how to use failure as a tool. So the first thing we have on our list is failure actually makes us more valuable mentors. Ruthie has a lot of examples of this, so she's going to talk to us a little bit about it. Yeah, so um, when I think about the people who have really influenced me in in my life and in the way that I run my business, um, a lot of them have come from a substantial amount of failure. The main one that I can think of is Dave Ramsey and how he went through being broke twice and really had to fight through that. And there's so many different examples of people who um, are now seen as such credible sources because of the experiences that they've had. Um, Maybe not at the time when they were in those experiences and feeling like their um, failures and stuff, but as they came out of that. They learn from those failures and they use those failures to propel them forward. And because of that, they really became voices and authorities on um, what what not to do and, uh, and what to do moving forward. Um, the other person that I can think of that has been really impactful in my life um, has just been my parents and just the ways that they have um, just faced failures in their own lives and really um, taken them in stride and really um, learned from that and and made changes in their lives to um, yeah just move forward and and be able to minister to people because of those failures um, yeah so I think that that it, it it's failure is such a good teacher and uh, allows you to be able to speak sympathetically and empathetically into other people's lives because you've been there, you've done that. Um, It'd be really, I think it'd be a lot more difficult in business to have a mentor who had never had any form of struggle, who had never had to seek help from anyone because they just knew everything. (laughs) It could just do everything. Um, I think it'd be a lot harder to to learn from them to some degree. Um, You can definitely learn from their successes and things that they've had, but I think it would be harder to relate to them on an emotional level. Um, So I think that's, yeah, that's our first point. Point is that failure makes you a more valuable um, mentor. And now Becca's going to tell us about the value of reported failures from your customers in the form of Google reviews. Yeah. So as a business owner, a lot of times what we don't even realize is that there's something that's happened or something that's gone wrong um, in in communication or whatever. Especially if you have employees um, that the more people you have, you don't have your fingers touching everything all the time. And so sometimes what happens is we have people that leave negative reviews on your business listings because of it. And um, that actually isn't something that you should take as well. He said, she said, I'm just going to move past it, or I'm just going to blame the customer for being um, crabby or something. Those are legitimate opportunities to figure out what's going on within your business that needs to be improved. Um, But it's also an opportunity to show how um, to respond in a polite way to other people by trying to make it right and having great customer service, Um, even in things that are a little bit controversial. So I know recently I saw an, um, an ad for a car dealership 
on uh, social media and and I know this business I've I've seen them around a little bit and within that they were like hey we're having a deal blah 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 and because it was like a Facebook ad there's opportunity for people to like comment on stuff and everything and I was just so curious to see what people thought of their ad and one of the people on there was just writing there's no way like I'll ever buy a car from you guys. Your prices are so expensive, blah, 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 blah. And then like the dealership responded. I don't remember exact words, but it was like, well, no one's ever accused the dealership of being too cheap. <laughs> that's what it was. But it was just like, you know what? Like that's true. If someone's really upset at the fact that, you know, I just can't afford your product even if I want it. Um, it's not a, a time to be like, well, stinks to stink or whatever. It's, it's more saying, oh, you know, like this is where we're ascribing value because we need to be able to be a profitable business. I'm so sorry that that's not a good fit for you right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then offering options for um, something else for them. Like, you know, there's a lot of free resources we have here or whatever. Um, still trying to provide value, but not letting that person just suck your time. Uh, is a good way to think about it too. Now, when it comes down to like a physical product, like somebody had a bad experience with something that you sold them, uh, contacting them, trying to make it right or managing a return, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can do that digitally and, or even just like owning up to like a mistake or we're so sorry we got that wrong. Let's, let's try to make it right. Contact us here. And this, we've created a, a item ID number to address this concern case that you have or something. So basically like you can keep them organized in complaints if you have multiple or whatever, but um, customer service is something that you can learn so much in your failures because when you do make it right, you win someone over um, a, much of the time, more than 50%, I would say for sure. So within that, sometimes your crabbiest customers can actually be your best um, customers for giving referrals later on when you resolve their issue. And from a digital marketing perspective, Google actually will rank you higher if they see that you're engaging with your customers in Google reviews, if you have a lot of responses to, um, to people's reviews and things like that. So that can be an opportunity to capitalize failure on that as well. As, um, if you see a negative review, then you can respond to it. Um, but also people, users will see your business as more credible if you have not exactly five stars. It looks really fake if you have a, a, like five stars, um, but if you have like 4.8 or 4.9 or 4.7 or something like that, users actually see that as more credible because it's like, oh, they do have some negative reviews. Um, so that's just a little interesting tidbit based on research that I've done. Um, but yeah, so um, one thing that also kind of ties into the, what we were talking about too is it provides a reality check to where you're at. Um, that's what failure does is it helps you to kind of just take a step back and say, okay, what are we doing? And maybe that's, I know we've talked about this before, but maybe that's going back to, are we really adhering to our core values? You know, like, is this failure an evidence that we are not doing what we set out to do and how can we adjust so that we're um, back up to par. So that's definitely a value of, of failure. 
Yeah. So another part of like failing at something that can be a benefit is figuring out, okay, how can I do it better next time? Because there's going to be things that when you first do it, you might not be the best at it. It doesn't necessarily mean it was an epic loss of a failure. It could just be that you're like, you know, I put this together and it looks okay, but it's not exactly how we wanted it. But you know, if you hold back, like we talked about last episode, Ruthie being afraid of just posting a video, if you just keep trying and then never move forward with anything, you're never going to improve because the fear part is what's going to keep you from improving and continuing. You just got to try and, and data on your failures will help you know what you can do better next time. So whether that's like posting on social media and then checking your metrics and seeing like, wow, this one did really well. Why is that? Oh, because we actually cross-promoted or because we got we had other people share it. Knowing what your audience is engaging in is going to really help you understand, okay, this actually was a failure, but this one wasn't. This was good. Um, but in general, it's okay to have those because then you start understanding your audience and learning those different things um, about how to use the tools that are there. And that's with any part of business. I just, I know a lot about marketing, so I always use those examples, but, but within that, it can be any kind of failure, um, trying a new process for your company to streamline things or whatever. Sometimes there's things that just happen that you realize, oh my goodness, we totally messed that up. Like, <laughs> and we should restructure the way we're doing this. And, and it's sometimes simple things like, oh, this, this temperature is too hot and it's like burning this and it's affecting this. So we need to move those things or whatever. Um, manufacturing completely different than providing a service as well. Okay. So a couple resources that we wanted to mention because we know sometimes when you face failure, it doesn't really feel like you want to use it as a tool, right? You're just like, I'm done. I don't want to keep going. Forget this. I don't know why I tried. Uh, one of the resources we're going to recommend checking out is uh, Do Hard Things by Alex and Brett Harris. It actually has a foreword by Chuck Norris, just so you know. And if you've ever enjoyed a good Chuck Norris joke, <laughs> you should definitely check this book out. Actually, it's not. It's, it's not as funny as you think it's going to be. But um, Check the blog post for some Chuck, Chuck Norris jokes. We'll throw some in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, this book, I read it in high school, and it was so chock full of data. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. Like, great case studies, talking about here's how you do these things. Like, the, the subtitle of the book is A Teenage Rebellion Against Low Expectations. And so anyways, this book, like, after I read it, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. I am going to do hard stuff. So one of the things that I thought was probably one of the most intimidating things I could possibly do was sign up for pre-calculus <laughs> in a college class online. And I was like, I'm going to do this. But like at the same time, I also started a job that like I had to be there full time, like 24 seven on site for two weeks as the summer ended before, um, before the school year started. And because college classes like aligned with that, I missed the first two weeks of the calculus class. <laughs> And so, like, when I finally started the class, I was like, oh, my word, this is so hard. I'm so behind. And 
basically the professor was like, here is a 600 page book, read it. There are two exams and eight homework assignments. Hope you don't fail. <laughs> and I was like, I've never like done this before. And there were no lectures. Cause this is like when online school was just starting out and they were just trying to figure it out. It was literally like, read the book and hope you know what you're doing. Um, so that was really emotionally hard for me. And I was like, I can't do this. Like I, I cried so many times trying and I just felt like it was hopeless to try to catch up. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to my mom about it and then she was like, well, you know, there for college classes, there's like a drop date and then after a certain date you have to withdraw and it goes on your transcript. So if you need to drop it, you need to do it soon. And so I was like, okay, I can't do this. I can't do it. So I dropped the class and was like, oh my word, that was way too hard. I am such an idiot. I just started, (laughs) I'm so motivated. (laughs) And then I just failed. What am I going to do with this? But I realized, okay, I need to evaluate. First of all, I need to evaluate what I could have done better. And so I was like, okay, well, first of all, I should probably start the class on time and not like two weeks late and be behind before I even start. Okay. So that's what I can do better. So then the next semester, I was like, I'm going to take this class again. No, I'm signing up for it. I'm doing it. But who else can I get on board to figure out how to help me do this so I can succeed? So I like literally started looking in my community and, and the church that I went to, there was a guy who's an engineer (laughs) and I was like, Hey, can you like meet with me once a week and help me with my homework? And he was very gracious and said yes, which seriously, like that was probably the nicest thing somebody could have done at that time. (laughs) And I made it through that class. The first test I got a C minus and I just about threw up. I was like, I'm, there's no way if I get a C minus or if I get a not passing grade on the next one, I'm done. I'm done with this class. I can't, I'll fail. But I really kept reading the book and trying to practice. And I watched so many YouTube videos. It was ridiculous. Like how many YouTube videos? Khan Academy was, was coming out. For what? I think I remember when Khan Academy was just coming out and you were like totally on board with that, like using Khan Academy all the time. Oh, there's so many like math hack apps out there and like everything or like different videos. I would watch so many different YouTube videos on math. It was ridiculous. So, but I passed the class and that was like incredible because it was pre-calc, but I mean pre-calc. So I was like, okay, well, in order to not take this in college, I have to take calculus too. Mm -hmm. And so I took calculus the next semester And by then, um, online education was figuring out how to do things better. And they actually had lectures. Whoa, surprise. And then things got so much better. It was so much better. And it was so much easier because the educational videos were great, matched with the material. And I passed it with a pretty good grade. And so um, within that, I learned, okay, like, do hard things. Yes. But like, don't be surprised if you fail. (laughs) And then within that, Figure out how to succeed off of that, right? Um, figure out how you can re-strategize, pick up, and go again. Um, the next book we wanted to recommend as a good read is by Malcolm Gladwell. It's called David and Goliath, uh, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants. 
Now, this book I really liked by him because he does a lot of data research as well and also talks about um, different people who have specifically overcome like major challenges and pushed through things. And I learned a lot about the actual advantages some people have to learning certain ways or whatever because of a disability that they have. So like, I think one of the examples he gives in the book is that someone with uh, dyslexia uh, had a really hard time reading, but they had a very, very good ability to hear things audibly and understand them and Mm -hmm. and do things with it. So um, he really talks through a lot of underdog stories. And I think it's an encouraging read if you're feeling like you're in a place like, oh, I just should give up. This is another good book to read because it's it's definitely stuff in there that's like, oh yeah, like actually it takes a long time to succeed, but you can do it if you just keep getting up and pushing a little every day. Uh, so those are my recommendation reads for you guys today uh, mm-hmm. to get past that. Okay, Ruthie, what's the next thing we're talking about? Yeah, so um, with failure, basically uh, kind of reiterating what Becca just said, what Um, was a really good example of that. Just taking a step back and saying, what have I learned from this and how can I do better next time? Um, And just how we don't live in a one-shot world. Like you don't only get one try and then you're done. And then you have no other opportunities to succeed again, Um, which is really hope-giving, I think. Um, And just really something that you can hold on to and really just come back to again. It's just, okay, if I did not succeed or achieve the level of success that I set out to do, um, there's going to be other chances and I can attempt this again and I can work at this again. And um, obviously there's sometimes where you might not get that exact same opportunity again, but you have other opportunities that you can capitalize on um, just achieving your goals. And I think that there's so much self-exploration that happens with failure and just learning more about yourself. And um, for me, that hit, that, what that has looked like is just really um, well, <laughs> a lot of different ways, but like specifically with trying to figure out scheduling and things like that. Like I have to find something that works for me and, and learn, the more I've learned about myself, the more I've been able to set goals that, um, first of all, are realistic, but then what I look at next is, okay, how does this, how is this making me push out of my comfort zone and doing those harder things? And, um, and yeah, so like thinking about this podcast, like it's, it's, it's challenging, you know, like we've, we've learned so much from it. We've had our our very first episode. We recorded and had the mics turned down all the way. This is pre-COVID, so um, we were meeting with a girl and we uh, we interviewed her. We'll have her back on the show later on. Her name's Abigail Carpenter. Um, but we interviewed her and had our mics turned down all the way, so you, you could hear nothing. And, um, and oh, was- it was the worst. <laughs> that was so embarrassing because, like, we were like, "Oh yeah, we got it. Thanks so much for joining us." And then she like drove home, and then we're like, "Oh dang." We just- <laughs> destroy this entire recording <laughs> i can feel myself blushing with how <laughs> i'm curious right now like my cheeks are yeah so that was definitely something like okay now we know check the volume on the microphones like okay good to know now moving forward we learn from that and now now we know you know like so it's and then we had more chances to to capitalize on that to work on um kind of setting some processes in place i am a huge systems and processes person so that for me has been um if i can get a process down it's so much easier for me to just like crank it out and then i don't have to sit and there's that constant 
you know, like that procrastination thought process of like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. And um, so just figuring out a system and a process for me of, okay, for me, it works best if I just say, I'm going to commit 20 minutes to this. And then after 20 minutes, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm checking out from this or the day. And then I revisit it again the next day for just 20 minutes. And then I have to stop at that 20 minute mark to keep myself accountable and not like burn myself out every time I'm trying to pursue something. So it's, it's, it's that learning about yourself that comes from failure. Um, that's really, really valuable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I was just thinking about what of all the things that I have learned from failing at things. Okay. Mm. One of them, remember to eat food when you're working <laughs> because at the end of the day I'm like why am I shaking oh yeah I didn't eat anything today um so things like that knowing your body is really important too and understanding the failures you have or like what triggers your your emotional response to when you actually have failure um but then the last thing we wanted to, to hit right before we jump into our gawk section um don't take this advice please don't take this advice as, hey, I should just go out and do something that I know is doomed to fail. <laughs> like, I don't know how many times I've seen young people like, oh my goodness, be like, just let me make my own mistakes in life. And yes, I understand what they're coming from. But at the same time, if it's something that you know is going to like, it's proven already, like, for example, vaping it's totally going to hurt your body. It's been scientifically proven. And you're like, well, just let me learn from my mistakes by myself. I'm like, no, there's lots of people that have already had issues with that. And it's really bad. And you have asthma. Like, <laughs> like don't, I don't want you to go out and live your life and learn from your mistakes because they'll make you die. Like, so that kind of stuff um, really rely on, the advice of others who have experience and learn from their failure. Uh, because when we're saying how to use this failure as a tool, use other people's failures as a tool so that you don't make the same mistakes. Because what's more valuable is you just saved like so much efficiency when you're not wallowing in the emotion of the failure because <laughs> you learn from somebody else not doing that, right? <laughs> So, uh, anyways, all right, so our story for you is Ruthie is going to tell us about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. um, this is just a little example of uh, a failure that I had. So, one time my mom told me that in, in college, she was able to patch a hole in her wall using toothpaste. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, we didn't, when we first moved into the house that my parents lived in now, there, uh, we didn't have a doorstop behind the door in the bathroom. So every time someone would whip open the door, it would make this like jumbo hole in the wall. And, and not just like a little circle hole. It was like one of those handle ones that like go like the down. whole handle. It was, yeah. it was, it was large. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we kept trying to like repatch it and repatch it. And I think like Finally, we ran out of plaster of Paris, so I was like, oh, I'll just use toothpaste. And so I, like, just packed in this massive hole with toothpaste and, like, layered it on there, tried to smooth it flat. But it didn't actually solve the problem of getting the door stopped. So every time someone whipped open the door, it would just make the handle get covered in toothpaste. So then, and my mom, after she like found out that I did that and my attempt failed miserably, she was like, Ruthie, 
there actually it has to be a certain kind of toothpaste. You can't use gel. <laughs> like, <this is> not <laughs> and I was like, oh well, that see, and I learned from that. That was a stupid decision. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, and I should have talked with my mom. Got a little bit more details and um, just kind of learning going. from her experiences and then applying them in the wrong <laughs> context. <laughs> Yeah. Support for our podcast comes from our intern, Darby, who is the bomb. If mm-hmm. you find our podcast helpful or interesting, please send a link to our website to a friend, businesstalksistergock.com. See you again next week.